Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Everybody say, love never fails. Now this morning I want to begin a brand new series entitled our XO series. XO series. And I want to tell you that this series is not just about marriage. It's not just about family. It's about relationships. And, and one night, on the first night of their honeymoon, the husband isn't sure how to tell his wife about his stinky feet and smelly socks. While the wife is wondering how to break the news to him about her awful breath, which so far she's been able to cover up, after some soul searching, the husband gathers enough nerve and says, I have a confession to make. She draws closer and looks deep into his eyes and says, darling, I do as well. I do as well. Recoiling, he said, don't tell me you ate my socks. <laughs> get that on the way home. Some of you don't get it. There was an older couple, and they loved each other for 60 years. And the husband and wife had been married for 60 years, and they had, they had shared no, no secrets. They had no secrets at all, except for one. The woman kept in her closet a shoebox that she forbade her husband to ever open. But when she was on her deathbed, with her blessings, she sent them in to get the shoebox to open the shoebox and found a crocheted doll and $95,000 in the box. Well, the husband was kind of baffled a little bit, and she said, well, my mother told me the secret of great relationships and the secret of marriage was to never argue, she explained. Instead, you keep quiet and you crochet dolls. Her husband was so moved and touched. He said, only one doll in the box? That means you were only angry with me one time in all of the 60 years. But, but what about the $95,000? She said, that's the money that I raised from selling all the dolls. <laughs> so, so I've been thinking about relationships. I've been thinking about the things in life that are disposable and the things in life that are not disposable. You know, because I thank God for some things that are disposable in life. You know, you know when you're really in need of something real quick and you run to CVS and you get that disposable razor, you know, sometimes I just forget to shave. And I, I, I walk out the door, I'm driving, I'm like, mm, that doesn't look good. I'm going to an important meeting. And I, I run to CVS and I, and I grab a razor from CVS. It's, it's a disposable one. Brother, you look like you can use it right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know, and, and so I'm thankful for that disposable razor, you know, and some shaving cream to go with it. Brother, you need this too. <laughs> It'll help you out. You know, there are some countries that I, I, I travel to, and, and the, the truth of the matter, I'm not going to go any further. No, I want to tell you, 
There are some places that I travel to and there's a little lady in the, in the front of the bathroom and you got to give them a couple of pesos so that you can get a little bit of this. You know what I'm talking about. And it's really helpful when you really need it. Brother, go ahead and have that for a little while. And so sometimes we need that, you know. There are times when we need a disposable toothpaste, like we're at a hotel and we forget our toothbrush and we need to get a toothbrush, right? So you can have that, brother. You look like you need that too. Um, but, but there are certain things that, that are disposable that in some ways are necessary. And boy, oh boy, we're thankful when we got that disposable thing and we're thankful when we can dispose of it. But listen, listen to me. It's really important for me to convey this to you today, this truth. There are certain things in life that are not disposable. There are certain things in life that were never meant to be disposable. Now, we live in a society that everything seems to be disposable. In fact, they make cars today that are disposable. Did you know that? They're thinking that the car should only last a certain amount of time, a lot less than they used to last a lot long ago. And every once in a while, I see that really nice car, that nice 1955 Chevy coming down the block, and it looks pristine. It looks beautiful. I think, man, that's how cars should be made today. But everything's plastic. You hit somebody, and the whole car falls apart because it's disposable. They made it that way so you can buy another car. And we live in this quick, disposable society. And I'm afraid to tell you that we've bought into the lie because some people tell us that relationships are disposable. That we can move on from one relationship to the next relationship when we get tired of that relationship. When that relationship doesn't work anymore because that relationship was meant to be disposable, we move on to somebody else. And so we've got marriages that are disposable. We've got friendships and co-workers that we think are disposable, but God never meant for relationships to be disposable. Now, relationships should go to different levels in our life. I can't be best friends with everybody. I can't be married to everybody. That would be awkward. <laughs> Solomon tried it. didn't work. <laughs> he tried to marry the whole world. I like you, 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 you. I'll take you, you. I'll take you. I'll take you. I'll take, I'll take a blonde. I'll take a brunette. You know, crazy. But there are certain relationships that need to go to a next level. My marriage needs to be at one level. I need to have some close friends in my life. I need to have some co-workers in my life. I need those relationships to go deeper in my life because there are certain things that are just simply not disposable. And the truth is everything in life is rooted in relationships. Jesus said the whole law, all of the Bible, all the books of the Bible, and all the books that were written by, uh, about the Bible are all about two things. Loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. You do that right, you get that right, you got life right. And when my relationships are strong, when my marriage is healthy and strong, life is good. Everybody say amen. When my family relationships are strong, life is good. When my working relationships are strong, life is good. Even when I face pain in my life, even when I face sickness in my life, even when I face disappointment and hard times in my life, life, listen to me, is still worth living. Life is still worth and it's manageable and it's bearable. Why? Because I've got people in my life that can cry with me. 
I've got people in my life that can laugh with me. I've got people in my life that can struggle with me. I've got people in my life that can pray for me. I've got people in my life that can pray with me. I've got people in my life that can do life with me. I've got people in my life that can fight with me and rejoice with me and celebrate with me and weep with me and share with me and work with me and be with me through the valleys in my life. When times are hard, when times are unbearable, when the nights are dark, when the weeks are long and life seems unfair, I've got people in my life that can do life with me. And life becomes good and it becomes worth living. Solomon, the man who had a lot of wives, wrote some wise things. And here's what Solomon said about relationships. Listen to what he said. He said in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and I want you to right now, you have all received a journal. I want you to take that journal out because every week I'm going to encourage you to pull out that journal and take notes. And there's a few things in that journal that are important. And so if you turn in your journal, you'll see, I want you to, first of all, I want you to write down this journal belongs to, and write your name on it because if you put it down, they'll steal it. They rob everything. <laughs> we are Christians. We don't do that. But I want you to put your name on it. And I want you to turn to the place where you can write some notes. About third page in, and it says the date. I want you to write the date. I want you to write the sermon title, XO Series. And today's scripture. I want you to remember and go back and read today's scripture. And I'm going to give you two scriptures. 1 Corinthians 13 and Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And each week we're going to give you a next step. Why? Because you can hear the word. You can hear a sermon. But the truth is, if you're not a doer of the word, James says, you're like a man who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. And so if you don't make a move, if you don't put it into practice, if you don't make it applicable in your life, then you're just saying amen. But it's not changing your life. The word is meant to change your life. The word is meant to change my behavior so that what I sow, I reap. And when I'm sowing good things, keep your hand up if you need one of these journals and we'll give it to you right now. And so my next step is, and we're going to give you a next step, and then additional notes. And every week I want you to bring this journal with you on Sunday morning so you can learn. And maybe some of you that are in your one groups, maybe at dinner, you can turn your, uh, bring your journal and say, hey, let's just talk about one thing. That brother right there has got his hand up for like a half an hour. And so let's get a journal to him. I don't want anybody to be missed in the house. Nobody missed. But here's what Solomon said. He says in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 7, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man who was all alone. Everybody say he was all alone. He had neither son nor brother. And there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. In other words, he was busy building his house, his kingdom, but he wasn't busy building his home and his family. He didn't have a family. He didn't have time for relationships. He didn't have time to be married. He didn't have time for his brothers. He was too busy with life. Notice what it says. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too, he said, is meaningless, a miserable business. 
He had no one to share his wealth with. He had no one, listen to me, to leave his blessings with. He had no one to enjoy life with. And so Solomon says in verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Listen to me, young lady, only if you're married. Are you listening to that, daughters that are watching live stream, Jenna and Janine? <laughs> but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. But pity the person who doesn't have good, healthy, strong, deep relationships in their life. You see, the truth is most people don't believe that relationships can last long. They certainly don't believe that relationships can last a lifetime. But you see, God created us to have lasting relationships. Relationships that don't fizzle after they lose the sizzle. You know what I'm talking about. Relationships that can walk through the valley of the shadow of death together. Relationships that don't lose their power long after they might have lost their spark in that relationship. Relationships that are better over time, better in the fire, better through the pain, better in spite of human dysfunctionality, and better because everything in life is better when we have deep relationships in our lives. Somebody say amen. And guess what? We all have baggage in our life. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you got a boatload of baggage in your life. <laughs> It's okay to have baggage in our life. And we all have baggage in our life. We all bring dysfunction to our relationships. And that's why it takes a lifetime to work on those relationships because we all bring this baggage into our relationship. And we have to work on those things in our life that put up walls, that, 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 are, that are motivated by insecurities in our life. And every one of us in this room have certain insecurities in our life. Every one of us have hurts and hang-ups and habits in our life that we bring into our marriage. We bring into those relationships. And it's not just marriage. We bring it into friendships and we bring it into working relationships. We bring it in all relationships in our life. You see, the truth is every relationship goes through three phases. And a lot of what I'm sharing with you today, I've been inspired by Kerry Schock in his book, Love at Last Sight. It's a great book. You need to get it. Love at Last Sight. And Kerry Schock says there are three stages in any relationship. The first stage is the first glance. The first glance. It's that first sight that we have of that person. And we're usually attracted to certain people in our life. Now, I don't believe in love at first sight. I don't believe in that. You know, oh, yes, Pastor Steve, I love the guy. We're going to get married. You don't know how many people come in my office saying, we're going to get married. I love the guy. Have you ever spent a lot of time? No, we just met 10 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, but we had a connection. Oh, a deep connection. Oh, yeah, right. The guy put, he's always going to put his best foot forward. Listen to me. You didn't see him at his worst day. You see him at his best day. He smells good, looks good, tastes good. He seems good. But spend some time with him. Get a second look at them. So every relationship goes through the first glance. 
where everything seems to be good. And that's not just in marriage. That's not just in dating. That's in everything. That's in business. You know, you interview somebody and they sound good. You know, I've never seen a bad resume. Have you ever seen a bad resume? <laughs> I, I've never called somebody that somebody's given a reference. You know, they put the people that love them. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, do you have any reference? Yeah, call this one. Call my mother, my grandmother. <laughs> I'd like to do some investigating about this person. What do you think? Oh, they're wonderful. They're incredible. They're, they're going to be the best worker you ever had. Listen to me. You better dig deeper. So there are those first glances where everything seems to be good. But then there's a second look. The second look stage in a relationship. At first glance, everything looks great. But second look, we begin to notice imperfections. We begin to notice there are differences between us and them. In the second look stage, we begin to say to ourselves, what happened to the passion? What happened to the excitement of a new beginning relationship? What happened to all those smiles? What happened to all that love? And we begin to realize, oh boy, I thought this was going to be easy, but now we realize we're going, to, we're going to have to do some work. It's going to take some forgiveness. It's going to take some communication and more communication and more clarification and more forgiveness and more communication and more clarification and more forgiveness and more communication and more clarity and more forgiveness and we need to learn how to understand the other person and we need to learn how to go the extra mile and we need to learn how to forgive did I say forgive and we need to learn how to die to ourselves. because we all go into a relationship thinking it's going to be about me and what do I get out of the relationship but listen to me, if we treat relationships as indisposable, not disposable, but indisposable, if we say that God created us to have lifelong relationships, if we go into it with that mindset, if we start relationships recognizing, yes, that there are certain relationships that will go to a, a far deeper level in our life, but if we recognize that relationships are indisposable, we will enter into that last stage of our life or that last stage in relationship. First look, looks good. Second look, we realize it ain't, it ain't so good. It ain't so perfect. But the third stage is where we will be more deeply in love at the end of the relationship in our life. Even more than love at first sight. So that we can say, I love this person more today. When we're on our deathbed, when we're dying, we want to be able to say, I love that person so much. I love that person more today than I did when I first met them. Instead of saying, don't let the door hit you on the backside. You know what I'm talking about. Good riddance. <laughs> He's gone. She's gone in life. Where we have such a deep love for those we love that we will feel so much deeper and stronger at the end than we did in the beginning. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, real love is supposed to grow deeper. True love is supposed to grow stronger. 
True love is supposed to become healthier, become richer as it becomes refined through the fire so that it can be more precious than gold and silver. And I've got to tell you that I'm such a blessed man. I promise you when I tell you this, that if I died today, I crystal, if I died today, there would be some precious people around my bedside. And I would say, Lord, I've been a rich man, a rich man. Because there have been people in my life for 35 years, friends in my life, 35 years. I'd be a rich man because I've had a great relationship with my wife. It hasn't been perfect. She's not perfect. I am. So we got to work on it. But relationships more precious than gold or silver. Because the truth is, you can make all the money in the world, but when you're on your deathbed, it's not the money that's going to make you rich. It's not going to make you feel satisfied. You're not going to be able to leave this world saying, I've done the will of God in my life. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? Anyone. Anyone around me that I can build a relationship with. I love what Kerry Shook writes in his book, Love at Last Sight. In any relationship, he says, as I said before, there are three stages. The first glance, second look. But then there's the third stage. Every marriage has a last sight. Every relationship will have a last sight. The question is, will it be love at last sight or will it be hate at last sight? I don't believe in love at first sight. He said, I believe in love at last sight. The last time my wife and I see each other, we will be more in love than ever before. And so in my life, I've been blessed with so many great relationships. I was saying in the first service that I've got a couple that have been coming to this church since I was 19 years old. They watched me preach my first sermon at 19 years old. And they said, boy, oh boy, does he preach long. <laughs> at 19, can you imagine? And they, they most of the year live in Florida. But they come up for the, the hot months in Florida. And they, they come here in, in about May and they stay until September. And every year they call me and they say, oh, Pastor Steve, we don't have a long time to be with you. We're going to go back to Florida, but we need to catch up. And we go to the same Italian restaurant, same waiter year after year. And we sit there from 6 o'clock in the evening to 10 o'clock in the evening. We close the place down and we look at each other eyeball to eyeball and we catch up on life. There's some precious relationships in our life that go deep in our life. And Paul tells us love grows deeper through patience. Love grows deeper and stronger through kindness. Love relationships grow stronger and healthy through learning how to forgive because true love in the end never fails. And the truth is deep relationships take commitment. They, make, they take a lot of work. 
They take communication. They take understanding. They take learning and growing and self-development. They take letting go, starting over all the time. Almost every day of our life, starting afresh over again on that relationship. Great relationships take Jesus being in the center of our relationships and the Holy Spirit giving us the power and the fruit of the Spirit to be able to endure those relationships and make them great relationships in our life. And it takes a lot of time. Investing in something is meant to last a lifetime. And Jonathan and David had that kind of relationship in the Bible. Now, I know in this crazy world that we're living in today, that some people want to warp that and twist that relationship into a homosexual relation. It's crazy. The Bible never condones homosexuality. Now, I understand. I'm not trying to offend anybody in this room. And if you're a homosexual, wherever you are, God loves you. He deeply loves you. But the Bible never condones homosexuality. It says, in the beginning, God created male and female, and the two shall become one flesh, and they shall multiply and be fruitful, and they shall be multiplying and fruitful. Like my friend Bobby Lloyd said, you take two men and you put them on the moon, you come back in a thousand years, you find dust. You take a man and a woman, I don't care how attractive they are, I don't care how beautiful they are, you come back and you have a colony. Come on, somebody. I'm not trying to be offensive, but there are some people that have tried to distort that story because David said, I love Jonathan even more than a woman. Why does it always have to go to the perverted place? The Bible says that Jonathan took off his robe and gave it to David. Why does it have to be perverted? That was a symbol of Jonathan saying, I know one day I'm not going to be the king. You're going to be the king, and I'm giving you my robe today. Because he loved David more than himself. And he took his sword and he, he gave it to David. Why? Because he was saying, David, I'm giving you my power. I'm taking my sword and I'm laying it on the table. I'm taking my dagger and I'm laying it on the table. I'm taking my little gun and I'm laying it on the table. And I'm telling you that I'm never going to use anything to destroy your life because I'm in a covenant with you and I love you and my love is deep because it's, sounded, it's centered in God. And when Jesus is in the center of your relationship, the Holy Spirit working in your life, you can have that kind of deep relationship with a man or a woman. It doesn't have to be perverted. It's just deep. I've got some of those deep relationships. I've got some friends in my life that I've known for 30 years. And man, I'm telling you, if I needed anything, if I was in a jam, they'd be right there. And when I see them, I'm going to tell you something. My eyes light up. And I grab a hold of my buddy friends and I tell them, I love you. Because my buddy friends have been with me for so long. They've done life with me. They've cried with me. They've been at the hospital with me when I've lost precious people in my life. They carried me when I was so broken in my life. They were with me and they saw the ugly, they saw the difficult, they saw the dysfunction, and they still said, I love you in spite of our differences. They were there for me. You talk about deep. It goes deeper than anything that you could ever comprehend because it's rooted in God. And the Bible says love is a mystery in some ways because we can't understand the depth of God's, even God's love for us. And we share that with people in our life. 
The Bible gives us examples of deep, strong relationships that we need to share. But, but let me give you, I want you to take out your journal, and I'm going to give you the first key to deep relationships in your life. I want you to write this down. I want you to take out your phones. <laughs> I'm going to talk about phones in a minute, but take out your phones, your smartphones that are making us dumb. And, um, and I want you to go on Facebook, and I want you, or Instagram, and I want you to write down hashtag BethNY, B-E-T-H-N-Y. Because you can go on and see what everybody else is saying about the sermon today. And I want you to write this down. I need to learn how to be all there. I need to learn how to be all there. Or just write down being all there. The first key to deep relationships. How do we learn to be all there? Because the first key to great relationships is learning how to be all there. Everybody say, all there. How do we learn to be all there? Well, first, it takes a commitment of time. Secondly, we need to learn how to shut out the distractions. Thirdly, we need to learn how to focus on the people we're with at the time. Fourthly, we need to learn how to stay at the table during conflict, being all there during conflict. We need to stay all in during the tough times of our lives or the tough times in that relationship because every relationship is going to have a season of toughness. You know what I'm talking about. Every relationship is going to have a season of uncomfortability. It's not always going to be comfortable. If you're in a relationship and it's always comfortable, the other person's dead. Because conflict is inevitable. It is inevitable to have conflict in relationships. If you've never had a conflict, if you've never had a difference of opinion, then you're not being honest in that relationship. You know, I have some great relationships in my life. And the reason why they've gone deeper is because we've had some conflict. And we've been able to resolve the conflict. Maybe strong words were spoken, but man, I'm sorry. I blew it, man. I spoke out of turn. I didn't understand you. I need to understand you more. I need to understand what's going on in this relationship. I'm committed to the relationship. I'm more committed to the relationship than I am to being right in this argument. Because sometimes we win the battle, but we lose the war. Win the battle, but we lose the war. We win the argument, but we lose the relationship. And I remember one time, I have such a precious friend. He was in the first service. We know each other. I know him since I was 19 years old. We have gotten married at the same time. We've had babies at the same time. We've married uh, our children off. We've seen our parents die together. And I remember we were having a, a bit of a, a disagreement. And I knew it was going the wrong way. And I said, whoa, 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 let's, let's stop, let's stop. Let's put this into perspective. Is this argument, this disagreement worth losing our friendship? We said, no. Okay, let's agree to disagree. And let's move on. I, I asked for your, boom. It was like nothing ever happened. Because we learned that there are some things that are so important in life. Relationships are not disposable. And so we need to learn how to be all in. And you see, the truth is, Facebook has, in some way, given us opportunity to connect with a lot of people. 
And, and I'm a Facebook. Yeah? I want to I be honest with you. I go on Facebook all the time. And sometimes God will give me a word. I'll put it on Facebook. I just put it on because I know that I've got a church out there of people that I can, I can influence. They can watch my life. They can hear what I've got to say or they can r- read what I've got to say. And I'm going to connect with them on some level. Did you ever notice, though, that when you, you want to connect with somebody on Facebook, did you notice what they call you? You can push a button and become a friend. Just like that. All I need to do is push a button and we become friends. And the truth is, I think that's, they shouldn't say friend. That's, that's the wrong word. They should say acquaintance or connection because the truth is I cannot build a relationship with anybody through Facebook I can't build a deep relationship I can hear their heart a little bit here or there but I can't really build a great relationship why because that relationship is arm length why because I could put something on Facebook you don't like it and I don't like what you said back so I can push a button and delete you (laughs) that's it have you ever deleted somebody come on be honest raise your hands Gone, boom, done. And I like it. I want to be honest, it is a little sadistic, but I. (laughs) Gone, gone. You're out of here. And so, Facebook, in some ways, has taught us that we can have friends. Arm distance friends. People that we can delete out of our life anytime we want to. Just kind of say this, show a picture, and keep it at arm length. You know, technology is a great thing. I'm not against technology. In fact, technology is taking the gospel around the world. There are more than 600 people who tune in almost every Sunday on our iCampus from around the world. People in Trinidad, people in India, people in Poland. People around the block, people that are on vacation. Hey, man, I watch this. That's good. That's great. So I'm not against technology. But I really think that we really need to be careful with technology. Why? Because social media can become so shallow, and it, became, it, it, could, be, it could become a, a way in which we really think that we're connecting with people on a deeper level. And you see, real relationships require all the senses, all the senses. Social media can be a safe place to keep people at arm lengths, but do we really know them? Do we really take the time to be with them? Do we really have the opportunity to communicate and go deeper with them? Because listen, body language is really important. Looking at somebody eye to eye, And the truth is, we have another generation that is arising. Listen to me. I'm telling you now, as your pastor, as your loving pastor, we've got a, a generation of children and young people that are not really learning how to be all there. They're being distracted with all their so called friends on social media. And it breaks my heart because we're not teaching our children how to have deep relationships. We're teaching our children you can connect with somebody, but if they don't say, say something you don't like, just, just delete them. Just delete them. Disposable relationship. 
It broke my heart. A couple of weeks ago, I was at, I was at the office, and many people come into the office for counseling, and they come into the office to pay for their tuition for the Christian school, and it was heartbreaking. You know, and, and every time somebody comes into the office, I try to go out and greet them, even if they're here for somebody. I, I try to say hello to them, and I especially have a heart for children. And so when children walk into the office, I, I want to stop and say hello. And so this young lady, she walked into the, the office with her mom, and she was on this iPad. And, and I went over to her, and I said, hi, young lady, how are you? She didn't look up one moment, not one moment. She didn't say hi. She didn't go, hi. Nothing. She completely ignored me because she was so focused on that game that that game became so important to her that she didn't realize that she should have. Not because I'm Steve Malazzo, the senior pastor, but because I was a human being and I was reaching out to her, but she didn't have the capacity to reach out in respect and say, hi, how are you? And and stop the game and pause it for a moment. Why? Because she was so engrossed in the game and I thought to myself, what are we doing in this society? They were so distracted that we can't even stop to have deep conversation and relationships any longer. And I confess to you today that I have been guilty of that because I have a smartphone and I'm on Facebook. And guess what? When you're on Facebook, when you're on vacation and you're supposed to be shutting out the world so you can spend time with the people that you love the most. I want you to write down right now in your journal, would you please? The three relationships, three, one, two, three, maybe you have a few more, that you want to go deeper with those relationships. Three relationships, write them down. I, want you, I don't want you to write down like my husband, I want you to write his name if you remember it. <laughs> I want you to write his name. Maybe it's a son, maybe it's a best friend. I'm not talking about acquaintances. I'm talking about deep relationship here. I want you to write those names down. Because the truth of the matter is, is even though I'm thankful for technology, sometimes technology distracts me and steals my attention so I can't be all there in the conversation. I can't be all there in understanding a person because I'm with a whole bunch of people. And so when I take Facebook into the bedroom with my wife, I'm with a thousand other people. And when I take Facebook on vacation, when I'm supposed to be focusing on my children, I'm actually taking a thousand more people with me on the cruise. And I'm distracted. I'm distracted so I can't be all in. So let me suggest to you, I don't think this is going to change overnight, but I do think that you should, you should put some boundaries on your social media activity. I tell my daughters all the time, when we're out, you take your phones, you put it on the table, turn them upside down, and don't answer them. Let me ask you a question. If Obama, President Obama, came to your house, and you were sitting at the coffee table with him, would you say to President Obama, oh, excuse me, wait, 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 wait one second. I got to check my Facebook because I put a post on. I want to see how many people liked it. <laughs> you wouldn't do it because President Obama is important. Listen to me. 
I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the president because he's important. But let me tell you something. There's somebody much more important in your life than President Obama. There's somebody much more important in your life than the King of England. There's somebody much more important than some politician. It's your wife. It's your husband. And it's your kid. And guess what? I know that President Obama is a nice guy. But when you're on your deathbed, he's not going to come to visit you because you're not important enough to him. But guess what? You are the most important person in the whole entire world to your little girl. You're the most important person in the whole entire world to your little son. And sometimes it breaks my heart because I see daddy at the baseball game with their kids. But daddy goes to the baseball game with their kids, but he brings his phone. And while his kid's playing baseball, daddy, just look. Daddy, just look at me. Daddy, focus on me. Daddy's on the phone with business, but he's at the game. And you know what that's communicating to his little son? Son, I just did this out of obligation, but you're not important enough to watch you play the game. You get it? You understand? There are certain relationships in our life that are so important that we've become so distracted that we share our attention, we share our focus, and the truth is we share our heart with others. You know, I told you the story a couple of months ago in April. My brother Frankie died. He was 57 years old. I got a phone call. I was at a pastor's meeting. It was like, it was like somebody punched me in the gut. It took the wind out of me. When they said, your brother is gone. But I thank God. A couple of days before he died, four days before he died, and I understand it's via the telephone, but I called Frankie up four days before he died. And I said, Frankie, hold on. And I called up my brother Anthony. I said, hold on. Call up my sister. Hold on. Call up my mom. Connected them all together for 45 minutes. We shared about how much we love each other and cared for one another. And I prayed for my brother Frankie. And he said, I want to know Jesus. Frankie had a hard life. But he said, I want to know Jesus. And for the next four days, all Frankie talked about was Stephen called me and we prayed together and I'm looking forward to do it again. And four days later, he's gone. I was so touched. I asked for permission. I was so touched this Friday. I got the privilege and the honor to do a funeral. It's always a privilege and an honor to do a funeral because I get to share in the pain with people and hopefully give them a little comfort. Let me tell you something. There are moments in all of our lives where we need to learn how to put away the distractions and focus on the people that we love the most. I was so deeply moved by this. They're here this morning. And I say this with respect and love. But David passed on 
last week. David came to this church. David came to my foundations class. I had some good conversations with David. And David received the Lord as his Savior and his Lord. David, like all of us in this room, needed extra grace in his life like all of us. But David's in heaven today. I know that because he accepted Jesus in his heart. Well, his daughter was getting married. And so his daughter and his daughter's fiance, they wanted to get married on September the 3rd. They had it in their heart. Two, two options, two choices, September the 3rd or September the 17th. But something in their heart said, no, we have to do it on September the 3rd. Two reasons. They really wanted that weekend because it was a weekend where people are off. And the second reason is because my anniversary is on September the 3rd and they wanted to join the perfect club. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And they, they had that wedding on September the 3rd. And David was, was able to walk his little daughter down the aisle. And his little daughter told me on Friday, she can cling to that and hold on to that because it was a moment in their life that they shared undivided love for one another. Just like Frankie, I had that moment to hold on to. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to have those moments in your life? Undivided moments of attention with people being all in in those relationships. See, the number one problem in relationships is that we tend to keep them at arm's length and we never really go deep because we're never all there. We might be there physically, but we're not there emotionally. We're not there mentally. We're not there spiritually. And when we are really there physically and mentally, and emotionally and spiritually we end up managing the people in our lives not through a, a click and a keystroke but we we manage those relationships through personal involvement with one another because when I'm all there you could start playing this is an intimate moment there you go because when when you make the time to be all there in person with all of your attention you are communicating to the person you love that they are so valuable that you took the time to be all there to listen to shut out other things and to communicate to them that they are so important in your life that you are willing to put down the phone shut off Facebook when I'm distracted I'm communicating that they're not that important to me when you commit to being all there present you create a place to experience listen to me shared experiences shared joy when you shut out the distractions and you take the time to create those moments in your life that you can hold on to that you can remember I was there. I wasn't only there physically, but I was there emotionally. I was all in. I was all there. They had all my attention. Shared experiences create lasting bonds, lasting memories, lasting expressions of deep love. I'll never forget 
being all there for my daughter's wedding, all there. We had a daddy-daughter dance. Some of you saw us do this a couple of months ago. But I remember just being all there at my daughter's wedding. No phone, no distractions. And when I had my chance to have my daddy-daughter dance with little Julia, my little girl, you know, sometimes I say, how's my little girl? She has a baby now. It's a little girl. She goes, oh, she's fine. I said, no, 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 no. I said, how's my little girl? How are you doing? Oh, daddy. She's my little girl. And I remember just grabbing hold of my little girl and holding on so tight, being all there in the moment, letting her know, communicating to her that she's so special in my life, precious in my life, that I'm all there for you right now. And I'll always be there and no one will ever be able to rob that moment from me because I was all there when you commit to being all there you give someone the most valuable thing that you have in your life and it's time there's some things that you can replace there are some things that are not replaceable and that's your time when you when you when you commit to be all there God begins to do something deep in that relationship that's so special in your life. And oh, let's talk about being all there for Jesus. Because the truth is, the most important relationship we have in our life, I, I love my wife. I've been married to my wife for 33 years. That's a deep relationship that's meant to last a lifetime. I love my kids. But there's something even deeper than all of that, and that's my relationship with Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that Jesus said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you, that I'll always be there. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And I don't know how he does it, but Jesus can take individual attention. With all of us at the same time, he can give us all in attention. He did it when he was on earth. He was limited to a physical body. And yet, the woman at the well, he was all there. The woman who had an issue of blood, he was all there. Who touched me? I want to know this person. I want to know what's going on in her life. Blind Bartimaeus crying out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. Be quiet. Jesus stops. I want to be all in right now. And I want to tell you something. Jesus wants to be all in in your life not just a part he wants all in he's gonna walk with you in the deepest valleys of your life he's all in the Bible tells us that he's married to you and that he's never ever gonna forsake that relate that covenant relationship he made with you Bible says we have a high priest that's been touched with all the feelings of our infirmity yet without sin so we can come to him because he understands and he's willing to walk with us the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake though I should walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil because Jesus he never leaves me He's all in. But he tells us we need to be all in. 
He said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and come follow me. All in, all in, all in. Not half in, all in. So I want you to bow your heads right now. I want to pray for you right now. Wow, the time has gone. My goodness. I'm so sorry. The time is gone. But you say to me, Pastor Steve, I need to be all in with God. I need to be all in with Jesus. I've been lukewarm. I've been indifferent in the relationship. And I want to make a new commitment to be all in with God, all in with Jesus. I want to follow him with all my life, all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. I want to love him. I want to be all in. I want you right now with every head bowed, every eye closed in this place, I want you to raise your hand right now. Say, I want to be all in with Jesus. Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to be all in with Jesus. All in. In the balcony, raise your hands. In the, in the cafe, raise your hands. I want to pray an all in prayer right now. Would you raise your hands and pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, forgive me that I've had other idols in my life. And I've had distractions in my life. But I want to be all in with you every day of my life. All in, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Give me your grace to be all in one day at a time. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you a question today. For everybody in this room, you say, Pastor Steve, I need to learn how to be all in in my relationships. I need to, to learn how to be all in in my marriage. I need to be all in with my kids. I need to learn how to tune out the distractions. I need some help, Pastor Steve. I got my hands raised. I need some help, Pastor Steve, with learning how to tune in to people that I love, learning how to give them the time that they need, learning how to be all in in those major relationships in my life if that's you today I want you to raise your hand I think everybody in this room needs to learn how to do that if that's you today I want you to stand to your feet and say I want to learn how to be all in in my relationships stand right now all across this place hey listen look at me right now Some of us have a hard time being all in because we've been hurt. But we can't risk holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness because then the people that we're meant to go all in with are going to be the recipients of our bitterness and our unforgiveness and our cynicism in life. So we've got to say, God, help us. Lord, take away the hurt, God. Lord, take away the unforgiveness, God, and help me to learn, God, that the only way that relationships can go deep in my life is when I'm all in. So I want you to raise your hands right now and pray this simple prayer with me right now. Jesus, I've been distracted. 
Jesus, I haven't made relationships, strong relationships in my life a priority. And I ask you today, forgive me. Strengthen me, Jesus. Help me to learn how to be all in. Help me to, help me to shut out the distractions. And help me to focus on the people that mean so much to me. Today's a new day, Jesus. I receive your mercy. And I receive your grace. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Give the Lord a clap off. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for those relationships. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk out this door, and I'm going to stand in the back. And when you come out, I'm going to give every single one of you a hug. Because I want to tell you something. I'm deeply blessed to know you, and I love you so much. Always remember this one thing. God has a great plan for your relationships. And it's bigger than you could ever imagine. Hug somebody on the way out. I love you so much. Have a great day.